Well, I'd just like to say how thankful I am that uh, we have uh, so many uh, that are willing to lead singing and, and do those kind of things. And, you know, not every congregation has that. And I, I'm, I'm very thankful that this is a congregation that's blessed with, with many song leaders and those who are willing to uh, uh, be involved in the services in, in any manner, where, whether it is uh, reading scripture and saying prayer, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm thankful for that. That's really good. Because uh, there's sometimes, there's some congregations that that uh, just don't have that. They don't have uh, men who are willing to step up and, and even lead in, in small ways. And so I'm, I'm very thankful for that with the congregation here. Now, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we went through and we talked about um, uh, If I Were the Devil. We did, we did two sermons on that. And uh, I, I want to continue that thought in a different way, but I want to I want to use the flip side of that. I want to talk about, you know, if, if I were the Lord, what would I want? Now, I'm not going to put my myself in the place of the Lord. The Lord is holy and righteous, and, and so I, I uh, cannot do that. But uh, I want to bring out some things that I think, according to the to the scriptures, that the Lord would want from a congregation of his his uh, church. And so I want to talk about those things uh, tonight. Uh, the first thing is this. You know, if I were the Lord, I would want the church to stand for the truth. No matter what. No matter what, I'd want the church to stand for the truth. Now, that's easier said than done. You know, guys, we can say, hey, I'm going to do this or that. But until the time comes, you have really no idea. You know, what, what's, what's going to happen unless, unless you prepare your heart beforehand and you set your mind to say that, that, yes, no matter what happens, no matter if I go to jail, no matter if, you know, whatever happens, I am going to stand up for that which is right. In John 8 and verse 32, it says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And so we, we understand that passage. We love that passage. Uh, Proverbs 23 and verse 23. Buy the truth and sell it not. You know, we, we need to want the truth. And we, we want to, you know, buy it up as if it were a commodity and not get rid of it. There are things in this life that are fleeting. There are things in this life that are expendable. But the truth is not one of those things. The reason it's not one of those things is because the words of Christ will judge us someday. In John 12 and verse 48, it says, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The words that I have spoken, the same, shall judge him in the last day. We are judged according to the word of God. We are judged by that standard of truth. And so we need to follow exactly what it says. In 1 Timothy 3 and verse 15, we see that the church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. The church should stand for the truth no matter what. You know, it, it's, it's sad to me to see people compromise in matters of faith. Just, just to save one's own hide. Brethren, 
we should want to stand for the truth above all things. It's, it's about God and His Word. And we are a small thing in comparison. And so what we need to do, brethren, is we need to stand for the truth. Not just in word only, but also in action. It could be in, in time, if things were to continue down the same road that we're going on right now politically, you know, it could be. It's not a far reach to say that, you know, Christianity could be outlawed. Christianity definitely is not looked upon in a great light in political circles. But brethren, if that day comes, where are we going to be? Are we going to turn and run? Or are we going to stand for the truth? You know, I pray that every one of us will stand for the truth if that day comes. If I were the Lord, I would want the church to be wrapped up in love. Think about John 13 and verse 35. It says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love for one another. You know, that, that's what makes the church different. It really is. That's what makes the Lord's church different is, is love. You know, because we, we can go around the world and we can meet brethren. And if you've ever gone to a, a foreign country, done, done any sort of mission work, even for a short period of time, and you meet brethren, oh, it's an amazing thing. Uh, you go, go into, I, I remember hearing a, a preacher <coughs> talk about going to Russia. And he went to Russia, and oh man, he was so excited. And he got to Russia, and he met these brethren, and man, they loved each other, but they couldn't communicate. You know, and here they are, they're stated there, and they're just so happy to see each other. But he didn't speak Russian, and this Russian didn't speak English. And they had to wait until somebody could speak both, both languages before they could start to communicate. And you know what? It's, it's interesting, brethren. That is what the Lord's church is about. It, we, we should love each other. We, we don't even have to know each other very well to do that, right? We just have to know that each other exists. And we should have love for one another. Brings the thought to mind. You know, we, we oftentimes think in this world, you know, about maybe our, our physical family. And a lot of times we, in society, the a noble thing is to put your physical family above that of anybody else. But in the Lord's church, that's not the case, is it? Because our spiritual family is important. And it's more important even than our physical family. And if the, the blessing, though, is if you have a spiritual family, then you can get your physical family to be a part of that spiritual family. And you can have the best of both worlds there. Think about 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 3. Of course, you know, we, we think about 1 Corinthians 13 as a love chapter. 
And I, I want to make sure that everybody uh, r- realizes this. You know, several years ago, uh, someone was uh, teaching a lesson. I just happened to happened to be there. I was a teenager, and I remember uh, hearing this sermon. And the preacher was talking about uh, 1 Corinthians 13, the context, what what it means, and and he goes over to 1 Corinthians 12, and he goes over to 1 Corinthians 14. And he's showing, look, this is this is talking about miraculous gifts, and you know, at this time, you know, miraculous gifts. The the problem was is that people, you no, know, they had problems with with miraculous gifts in the sense that one person wanted this one, but they didn't have that one. So they wanted another one, and, and, and vice versa. So there's some jealousies there. But then when you look at 1 Corinthians 13, the Bible is not written uh, in these uh, individual chapters and, and, and things. And so, you know, this is a letter written, and this is in the middle of those two thoughts, which are the same, really the same thought. And so when you come to 1 Corinthians 13, the idea, the context is, if we're talking about spiritual gifts, what is the best thing that you can do? Spiritual gifts are going to go away. They're all going to go away. But guess what remains? Love. And if you remember that, love's going to take you a long way. You know, these spiritual gifts, they're going to, they're going to cease to exist. And that came to be, as we see later on in 1 Corinthians 13, it, it comes to be when that which is perfect has come, which is the Word of God. That, that we didn't need anything else. We didn't need all, all these other things. Because we have God's Word. So when we look at 1 Corinthians 13, look at verses 1 through 3. It says, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'll become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And if I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and if I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profiteth me nothing. That's humbling, right? Yeah, you've you've heard the term, you know, fake it till you make it. No, that's not exactly what we see here, does it? Now, we, we, don't, we don't really see that. What we're seeing here is we can do all these things. We can give our body to be burned. We can, we can give up all of our worldly possessions to feed the poor. But that does us no good at all if we do not have any love. Ephesians 4 and verse 15 says, But... Speaking truth in love, we may grow up in all things into Him who is the head, even Christ. And so this goes along with that, that thought before. It's just an extension because we, we, we realized a couple of weeks ago that Ephesians 4 verse 15 doesn't mean, you know, we, we need to speak the truth in love in the sense that uh, I, I, need to, I need to be nice. I need to speak the truth. In love, and that, that means that I'm not going to say anything that would be hurtful. Which could come down to whether or not something would be condemning to somebody or not. Which is, which is necessary to preach. So this doesn't make sense to us. But when we look at the, the scriptures and we look at the original text, we understand that the, the terminology here is what? We're speaking the truth in love 
of the truth. The truth is what we love. The truth is that what we love and we follow. And so if we're going to speak the truth in love, we're speaking the truth in love of the truth. Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. says, And he said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second like unto it is this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments, the whole law hangeth and the prophets. Uh, you want to get a, a gist of the Bible? It says, love the Lord and love your neighbor. Those two things. Love the Lord and love your neighbor. That's it. Right there. Those two things. Brethren, if we are part of the Lord's church, then we need to be wrapped up in love. If I were the Lord, I would want the church to be humble and soft-hearted. Oh, this is... This one can be hard, I think, to some degree. Now, I want to explain this. The reason that I believe it can be hard is because, you know, what, what do we see about knowledge? What does knowledge do? Knowledge puffs up. So, when we think about the Lord's church, we have knowledge. And a lot of times we, we talk about that knowledge and we rely on that knowledge, which is fine. But we, we do not need to do is let that knowledge puff us up. It can happen. And some people, they think, well, you know, I, just, I, I know the truth and that, that's it. And, and that's, not, that's not arrogance. No, 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 no. Knowing the truth in and of itself is not arrogance. But you can let it become that. People that argue their points just to argue their points. That's not humility. Brethren, James 4 and verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. It's not your job to lift yourself up. You humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and the Lord does the lifting. You don't have to do that. The Lord does. James 4 and verse 6 says that, you know, God gives grace to the humble. You know, I, I just... I, I know I've said this before, but I like watching sports. But you know what I don't like? is um, you know, part of professional sports... Now I, I like watching professional sports, but especially when you when you're looking at football and, and you're looking at basketball and you've got these characters out there. And they score a touchdown, and next thing you know, they're doing some sort of a touchdown dance or doing some sort of a sack dance or whatever, you know. They do their thing. They're they're they they are um, you know 
showing how awesome they are, if you will. You know, I've, I've always thought when it comes to things like that, you know, act like you've been there before. You know, and, and you hear coaches sometimes, you know, talking to their players like, hey, um, act like you've been in that, that end zone before and, and don't celebrate like that. You know, act like you've been there before. That's, that's, a, that's a good thought. But that, that, that to me... Just thinking about those things, that that can put a damper on on something that could be very innocent. When someone is showing off their arrogance. And that just is not the way that it needs to be when it comes to the church. Think about Hebrews chapter three. Hebrews three, if you'd like to turn this, this is a longer passage. Hebrews chapter three. Uh, verses 7 through 15. It says, Wherefore, even as the Holy Spirit saith today, if ye shall hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation, like as in the day of the trial uh, in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by proving me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore, I was displeased with this generation, and said, They do always err in their heart, but they do not know my ways. As I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest happily there shall be in any one of you an evil heart of unbelief and falling away from the living God, but exhort one another day by day, as long as it is called today, lest any one of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, for we are become partakers of Christ. If we hold fast the beginning of our confidence firm unto the end, while it is said today, if ye shall hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. You know, there is a warning here about having our hearts hardened. We need to be humble, but we need to be soft-hearted also. You know, those things go hand in hand. If we're humble, the, the like, likelihood is that we're going to be soft-hearted as well. But we need to be soft-hearted. Think about Luke 24. Luke 24, verses 46 and 47. You know, part of teaching the gospel is preaching repentance. And when does repentance work? When a person has a soft heart. In 1 John 1 and verse 9, it says, you know, that if we confess our faults... God, God's going to forgive us. God will forgive us if we confess our sins. Brethren, that, that's an important one right there. Are we soft-hearted enough to realize when we're wrong? And are we soft-hearted enough to repent? One of the sad things that you'll you might see is having families and and people that have have family problems, if you will, and and a lot of times within uh, marriages, this is a this is this is typical. It shouldn't be typical in the Lord's church, and I don't know what the statistic for that is, um, but 
the common people, Christian and and non-Christian alike, there's usually people in that marriage that, one, will accept fault, and another one will not. And in cases, neither one will accept any fault. That's very prevalent also. So what, what happens when people don't accept fault? In a situation where you have two people in a marriage that they don't accept fault, is that marriage going to succeed? No. What about when there's a marriage and one person is able to accept fault? Is that marriage going to succeed? Oh, I could. But it would be difficult. We need to be soft-hearted and humble enough to know when we're wrong. And that when it comes to the Lord's church, we're not going to let arrogance get in our way. We need to ask ourselves sometimes, whenever we're facing a difficulty, especially within the church, and maybe you're having some confrontation with somebody, and you say, does this matter? Does this really matter? If this matters, then that needs to be dealt with. If it doesn't matter, you know what? You have the option to deal with it. But the suggestion should be, don't. The church has its shortcomings. Because, you know, it's a, it's a perfect institution made up of imperfect people. God did everything right in instituting the church. Uh, but it's you and I uh, that, that have the imperfections. And so when it comes down to it, the question is, are we going to be humble? Are we going to be soft-hearted? Are we going to stand for the truth? Are we going to be wrapped up in love? Now, brethren, I think if we do all these things, you know, this is, this is really, I don't know if you realize this, this is just three points in a sermon, okay? Three easy, simple points. But if you get these points, we get these points the church is strong and I hope that you want the Lord's church to be strong and if you do this needs to be done on an individual level maybe there's someone here tonight that knows that they have not been living this way And you know that you need to take care of that tonight. We'll be glad for you to do that. Maybe it is that you have not yet become a Christian and you'd like to take care of that tonight. Maybe you just need some prayers. Or whatever the case is, if there's someone here that needs to respond to the invitation, please come as we stand and as we sing. Would you live for Jesus and be always good? Would you walk with Him within the narrow road? Would you have him bear your burden, carry all your load? Let him have his way with thee. 
His power can make you what you ought to be. His blood can cleanse your heart and make you free. His love can fill your soul and you will see. T'was best for him to have his way with thee. Would you have him make you free and follow at his call? Would you know the peace that comes by giving all? Would you have him save you so that you need never fall? Let him have his way with thee. His power can make you what you ought to be. His blood can cleanse your heart and make you free. His love can fill your soul and you will see. T'was best for him to have his way with thee. Would you in his kingdom find a place of constant rest? Would you prove him true, each providential 